Hey, good morning, everyone. And we were just interrupted by Dave Marino. You like the Rogaine uh, del- gel? <laughs> Dude, you look like one of those commercials, man. Is it? This is what happens when, when, when you do a show? When you do a show at five a.m. and you put too much Rogaine in your <laughs> <laughs> you, don't, yeah. you don't have Looks time. So natural, no one can tell, right? <laughs> exactly. You got, no, you got nobody to blame but you. Uh, anyway, we got a great day in store for us. We got our friend Mark O'Donnell here. He is the visionary, of course, and CEO of EOS Worldwide, which is right up our alley, the entrepreneurial operating system. Mark, welcome to the Rogaine edition of Apple <laughs> uh, Good morning. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. But Mike needs no Rogaine. Look at that beautiful. Really clock. quick. You keep saying that. They're going to hit us up for a sponsorship, Dave. Yeah. Keep you saying that. Episode. I have my dad are like, you know, one of the hair companies for Mike, right? Yeah. I'm in. Supercut, <laughs> I think. That, it's a supercut <laughs> deal. <laughs> Sorry, man. We're, on, we're entrepreneurs, Mark. We're always thinking. So it fits right into what you do. Awesome. Um, and you have built your brand uh, and revamped it, of course. Uh, as entrepreneur became superhero like, which has only benefited all of us as well. You know, being in the sports uh, world for so long, you know, all of my clients always wanted to be rappers. You know, it, it didn't matter. And now, man, I never thought they'd all be calling me wanting to be entrepreneurs. So it's a, a blessing. Uh, and uh, there's a lot going on. So I thought maybe we just get a little bit of background on the evolution of EOS and where we are today. Yeah, so EOS just at a at a high level is a complete system with simple practical tools and concepts that really help entrepreneurs clarify, simplify and achieve their their vision. And essentially we are focused on the entrepreneur helping them live their ideal life, their leadership team and their employees. And we started uh, quite a few years ago, uh, it's based on the book Traction by Gino Wickman. So Gino is the first visionary. He's the founder of EOS Worldwide, along with Don Tinney, uh, then Mike Payton. And I took over this role just September of last year. So yeah, look, lucky you. Yeah. <laughs> Surprise. Well, yeah, yeah, I wonder why that role was left vacant for you. No, uh, yeah, like everyone just left and like, hey, good luck, buddy. <laughs> hey, COVID and you. There you go. Right. Anyway, David. Yeah, Mark, I'm really, really interested in EOS. And um, I love that you guys implement systems because Dave and Mike and I were talking about the importance of systems and how much it's, it's helped our business and our businesses and the folks that we coach. But I'm curious because we have a huge amount of listeners that are entrepreneurs or they want to be more entrepreneurial. What are the consistent things that you've seen that folks are, are maybe wasting too much time doing early on in their business cycle? And how have you helped them uh, break out of those you know, habits or uh, things that they're doing? Sure, sure. So our the, the typical client that we work with is 10 to 250 employees. They're just beyond startup. They, they have the, their first set of employees. Sometimes they're bigger. Uh, sometimes they're a little bit smaller. But the number one thing is really clarifying, crystallizing that vision, getting everyone in the business 100% on the same page with where they're going and how they're going to get there. Then the, the second thing is really creating disciplines and habits necessary to execute on every aspect of that vision. And then next is creating really healthy 
cohesive and functional teams and using all the, the tools and resources uh, that, that we provide or others provide, it's all good work to really do those three things and get them right. And along with that becomes people, getting all the right people in the right seats, managing your business with data, being able to solve issues at the root so they go away forever, being able to document your processes and get them followed by everyone in the organization. And finally, like I said before, is really gaining traction. Uh, what we like to say is that vision without traction is merely hallucination. It's just a bunch of dreams. Uh, so you have to make it real. You have to have those disciplines to do that. So, so important, Mark. Good morning. Uh, you know, one of the things for me, like when I finish, when we finish this, this cast, I have to jump in, I'm going to jump in the motorhome, actually not in the car. I'm going to jump in the motorhome and head out to an event out East. And the first thing I'll do is I'll put the location in my GPS. So I know where I'm going. Right. And, and I think a lot of companies, a lot of individuals don't do that necessarily in business. Right. And I know that you focus on goal setting and on goals, not only identifying, but also helping people realize them. And I see that like the GPS. So many people jump into a business and just try to figure it out really without knowing where they're going. And it's kind of very troublesome sometimes. So I want to know from you, what's what, what's your focus on goals and how do you help people implement them so that we can get them to their destination as a business? Yeah. So and, and I want to back that up just a little bit, because, as I said, vision without traction is merely hallucination. So typically we actually start with really short term goals that when we work with leadership teams, generally speaking, that visionary entrepreneur, they have a crystal clear vision in their head. They just need to get it out and get it on the same page with the leadership team. So we don't actually jump in right away doing that work. We jump in just executing. How do we, you know, it's sort of like filling up the tires in the RV, making sure that, you know, you had the oil changed. Then I've had a lot of RVs, so I, nice. I know the pain. <laughs> <laughs> right? Like, yeah. oh, you got to yeah. make sure the thing works and you yeah. can actually yeah. execute. Then you put the the GPS. destination in there. And so start with, with just the simple disciplines of a weekly meeting that's clear. People waste so much time in bad meetings they're just not effective set 90 day rocks or goals just to execute on that vision then you pour the vision over top of that foundation and you're just that much more likely to to get there just a high percentage of people have these documented visions and strategic plans that just go widely unexecuted because they they just don't have the discipline and accountability to make it happen not only don't they have the discipline but they also don't have the vision of where the resources should be spent, you know, mm -hmm. uh, and that's internally and externally. Uh, and I think that parallels uh, the flow of energy in our own lives that people waste time with people that bleed them. And I see, you know, 80% of the effort and resources, especially in businesses from 10 to 250 people with customers that bleed you. And, you know, 80% of our revenue profit comes from 20% of our clients. And a lot of times, because those clients are easier and the relationships are more established, we forget the fact that maybe there's more business there or we better maintain that business in order to grow uh, because those people also bring other big clients. How do you help people evaluate where to expend the resources and energy? Uh, because internally and externally, I see that as one of the hugest wastes 
especially uh, in the space that we work in. Yeah, and when we are we're thinking about all the human energy in your business and you think about them as a group of arrows, right? Some are pointing this way, some are pointing that way. They're just all over the place. And to decide where you, you're going to go as an organization, you got to get crystal clear, be 100% on the same page. Well, what happens when you do that? You have to organize all that human energy and get it pointed in the same direction. And that might mean some people are not a fit for your business. That might mean some customers are not a fit for your business because they're outside your target market and they just suck resources, time, effort, and energy. So as we look at managing human energy, it's getting consistent uh, around what your vision is, crystallizing it, getting everybody on that same page. And when you think about the the nitty gritty details of human resources and and tools and equipment and all those different types of things, if you get all the people in the right direction, you get everyone rowing simultaneously. Have you ever been whitewater rafting? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And when you start, like, uh, you know, a bunch of big guys going in and, and digging and you just start spinning because no one's going at the same <laughs> consistent. I mean, that that is the biggest waste of human energy resources that we can have is when everyone is not in sync with one another. They all going to their own different uh, locations. So that, that, that would be my uh biggest advice get all the human energy in your business point in one direction and those other things start to melt away mark that's really interesting i have a two-point question for you and one of the points is going to put you on a spot here and i, and I want to put you on a spot one okay. uh <laughs> Jeez, what is the definition of a visionary you <laughs> don't uh, need it look at that head of hair yeah he doesn't yeah, need man. it at all he's got the mike mamola hair <laughs> uh, me and you dave we're on the same boat it's a dave thing i think hey gra <laughs> grass doesn't grass doesn't grow on a busy hold on hold on grass does not grow on a busy street there you go. I love it. But, but Mark, one, what, what is the definition of the role visionary in EOS? Why did you guys choose that as, as the term? I think that's really, really key. And I can probably answer it for you after hearing you talk a little bit. And two, you're the only, only the third visionary in the history of the company. So what are the things that made you stand out of all the folks that have been involved in EOS over the years uh, to take that leadership role, being only the third EOS visionary in history. So I'm just, that's what I want to put you on the spot with to talk a little bit about yourself, because I think it'd be great for folks to hear what things you did consistently that led you to be in this position. Yeah, sure. So I, I think I'll start with the, the first question. What is a visionary? And the, the way we, we like clarity and simplicity in EOS. And so the CEO, Simon Sinek did a great video on this of, well, what is a CEO? What's an executive officer? We don't even know what that is or means or what they do. So we called it a visionary because it's usually just a, a very creative, idea-generating person that's really climbing the tree and saying, hey, we're going here and driving the culture for the organization and just setting setting the vision with the help of the the leadership team and and all that then the second role we have on our accountability chart is called the integrator so the visionary is a little bit making it up the integrator is making it real and the rest of the leadership team is making it reoccur and so we just use the term visionary because it is the most clear way to describe what it is that seat does on an accountability chart is 
clarify and, and set the vision and create the energy to go execute on it. So Mark, once you have that, once you create the vision and now you want to march forward to execute on it, you, you said something that I think is really important that I didn't want to just kind of like gloss over it. You said, then we get everybody on board. So everybody's rowing like a Viking rowing ship, right? Rather than <laughs> sure. Circle. There's something really difficult, but really important there. And that's getting different minds to think alike. What's the key to doing that? Because that's not something we learn in school. Typically, that's not something most people possess the ability to do is to get 20 or 50 or 100 people thinking the same way when they're coming from different places with different wants and needs. It's very difficult because the the, the job of the way we run our businesses, I don't go off to the mountain and say, hey, team, we're going here now. Right. I we come up with ideas. And of course, being that third visionary, there was a vision in place. And so a lot of it was just enhancing what what has already uh, been in place. But we, we want you to go create the vision as a team. And we use a facilitator as part of what our business model is at EOS Worldwide. We have um, over 400 EOS implementers around the world that work with leadership teams directly to help do that, to pull it out of the visionary's head, to pull it out of the leadership team's head and collaborate to create that vision, to document it on a two-page document we call the Vision Traction Organizer. And so everyone is seeing the same thing. They're wanting the same thing. And now we're just going to go be masters of execution. And, and so it's a facilitation. We have very skilled facilitators. It is a, a craft, a skill set to grab it out of everybody and get it on paper. (laughs) Well, calling all entrepreneurs, I get requests all the time and send them over to EOS worldwide uh, for that day-to-day logistical action items, experience, dummy text, and situational knowledge that EOS worldwide has been providing for years. And now under the visionary leadership of Mark, I am more than confident in sending all of those requests still over to EOSworldwide.com. Uh, Mark, thank you so much, man. We just I, the notes in the comments are great information, great information. Wow, and uh, I would have to concur. And also, thank you for allowing us to plug Rogaine like four different times. I'll be expecting, okay. expecting a call soon. Uh, so thanks so much. We, uh, yeah, we'll do more. Me. We'll do more together, and we appreciate you. Thanks so much thanks, for what Mark. you do. Thank, thank you. you so much, Mark. Awesome. All right. Next up on the mic, we got the legend himself. He started everything legendary, and uh, there he is with a big smile on his face, like Dave yes. Marino carries all the time. <laughs> good <laughs> morning, good morning, his, everyone. His earpods there. Hey, what's going on? Uh, so, you know, these guys killed it on Shark Tank. A good friend of mine, Mark Cuban, uh, not only uh, invested in uh, the vegan, the first black-owned vegan burger brand, which is now Beyond Burgers, I, I would call it, not to pump the wrong brand, but they're doing sausages and cheeseburgers, nuggets, sauce. But Dwayne, the, the one thing that uh, to me is so interesting is you guys aren't the, you know, most plant-based people are these engineers, these lab technician type of people. You know, they're not the mink size of the world. They're not the, the chefs, the flavor, uh, which they're not to me cool. is all. Say again. I said, they're not cool pretty much. Yeah, you got it. So I, you know, and you're going to help transcode my dorky uh, white boy language into something that's hip. So uh, <laughs> Dave's not hip, so he he's not even correcting me over there. Uh, anyway, 
Give me that. I need Dwayne at my back, man. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, Dwayne, man, give me a little bit of a a background on, you know, your feeling. Number one, were you vegan to start? And two, what, you know, inspired you and your friends to come up with everything legendary so that taste was the primary, the flavor was the primary goal? Yeah, well, first of all, thank you so much for having me this phenomenal morning. Um, So blessed, so gracious, everything. Um, Everything Legendary is a purpose-driven company. And what I mean by that is that um, this started based off my mom's illness. Uh, 35 years ago, she got diagnosed with lupus. And uh, she changed her diet to being a strict vegan. And um, so she's been vegan for about 30 years. And then two years ago, our co-founder, Danita Claytor, her mom passed away to cancer. And before she passed away, we were trying to get her on a healthy regimen, but none of the food really, really tastes good. So I've been in this lifestyle for about 30 plus years. I mean, I remember being that kid at school where, you know, you couldn't trade, you know, vegan products at the lunch table. Like no one wanted, nobody wanted to trade rice cakes for a good old cheese pizza. Nobody did. You know what I mean? Vegan kids were just not cool whatsoever. So my aha moment was when I was in the grocery store and I was with my mom and we had been talking about, you know, burgers and she had tried all of them. Again, I've been in this lifestyle for, for over 30 years. You know what I mean? So I, I've, I've, I've tried all the burgers you can possibly think about. You know, as my mom says, veganism is not new. You know what I mean? It's big. It's a book that's been on the bookshelf forever. People just all of a sudden thought it was cool and they started to read finally. So this is something that's been going on for a very, very long time. So... I had this aha moment. I called up Danita and the rest of the team. And this was right around the time her mom had passed away. So we had so much purpose behind this. And that's why it's called Everything Legendary because her mother and my mom are our legends. That's the reason behind the actual name. So this was very, very serious. So we knew that we wanted to come at this totally different. We wanted to be young, which we are. We wanted to be energetic, which I'm always, I have very, very high energy. And we knew that we wanted to focus on taste, flavor, and texture. We didn't want to be like all the rest of these other companies who are like, you know, Jurassic Park pretty much. You know what I mean? They're creating stuff in a science lab and things like that. No, 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 no. That's not what we're doing over here. Food is made inside of a kitchen. It has it, it has soulful hands to it. It's something that's supposed to be savory. It's supposed to be something that's going to make you move. You know what I'm saying? When like food is good, it makes you dance a little bit. How you move your shoulders, all those things happen. We taste everything the best plant-based burger in the world it is the kobe beef of the plant-based products this is a this is premium that's why our price is premium you know like you've never seen a premium plant-based product all the rest of the competition they just came out and they did a phenomenal job i don't down talk anything that they do which is better it just happens to be that you know i mean we just have a more flavor it's made you know by some real chefs for the culture and yes we are the only african-american uh, plant-based burger, and one of the only ones that are really do like manufacturing. We have distribution in, in, in over a thousand doors right now. You know, Target, uh, Giant, Safeway, uh, Acme, um, Balducci's, uh, Kings. We're uh, Kroger next month. You know, stop. stop I mean, like, it just keeps on getting bigger and bigger. You're, you're absolutely right. So we were on Shark Tank season twelve, episode fifteen. If you ask anybody, it was the greatest Shark Tank episode in Shark Tank history, and we did that. And our burger is absolutely amazing. We came out on Shark Tank with something that nobody has, which was vegan cheese infused inside the burger. See, those other guys, they're, they're not even thinking that cool. You know, so so we want to put it, and, and that does so well for like food service. Because one of the biggest problems, as we know, is finding a good vegan cheese. 
Most of them, honestly speaking, are just nasty or they're too pasty on the top of the mouth. They just don't have the right flavor to taste. We found out the right one, then we infused it inside of the burger. And that's why our burgers are so good. And and we ship nationwide. Go, go legendary.com, um, nationwide shipping. And it's the best burger in the world. That's just what we call it. We just call it just the best burger in the world. That's our hashtag, best burger in the world. And that's a good, that's a quick pitch. As I head Wait, to the airport I'm, right now to go to Target in North Carolina. <laughs> Dwayne, I love I love the energy. And for everybody that's watching this, just take a lesson in, in how passionate Dwayne is about his product and how knowledgeable he is about his product. Because I'm I'm someone that has tried vegan cheese and thought it is gross, but now I want to go run out. Just from hearing you yes. talk and try it, right? You literally like a preacher got me like, I got to get this vegan cheese and try it. And it, it means so much to see you as, you know, as an African-American brother, as a founder uh, in a space where our community has done so poorly historically. And we can get into how that happened and, and the, 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 the education around food and the illiteracy around that, you know, that's been uh, perpetuated for, for, for centuries and how much the effects of poor diets historically have changed, you know, the lifespans and trajectories of so many families. And and Mike's going to love this reference because it comes from his favorite song. I was waiting. I was waiting. He said it in 1995. It's time for us as a, as a people to change the way we eat, change the way we live and change the way we treat each other. Right. Those words you know, 25, 20 years later, 30 years later, still resonate very true for our community and many folks across America. So what I want to ask you is what can be done about the education? Like, I get the taste. The taste is always going to sell. But how do we get people to realize that this stuff tastes good and it's actually good for you? How can we help shift that mindset in terms of what we should be putting in our body? You know what? I think that that's really starting to happen naturally with what's going on in the world today. Health from so many different standpoints is, is, is talked about to the utmost, whether it be mental health, whether it be food. We start looking at life. You know, uh, life is getting shorter and like shorter. But it's something that we really, really stood on that, you know, um, we have for a long, very, for a very long history, we haven't eaten well. Diabetes, cholesterol, you know, like it has, it has been a very, very big big problem so it's very it, it's very like important for us to get that message out there you know our burger 200 calories i mean that's something that's you know uh very very big uh sodium level is a healthy sodium level one thing about our burger that is different from everybody else is that ours is pre-season so yes our sodium level is higher than 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 our competition however it's a healthy sodium level put in there it's not a whole bunch of salt and a whole bunch of nonsense because what do people usually do when they get a burger from anywhere whether it be plant-based or a or a regular beef burger. You go and put a whole bunch of salt and pepper on it. Salt, pepper, garlic, you know, anything that you want to do. With our burger, you can literally, from frozen, right on the stove, five minutes each side, and the burger's done. You don't need to add any seasoning whatsoever because we added healthy seasoning. And I mean, I'm talking about mango, oregano, things like that. See, those type of uh, terms, those other guys don't even know what they are because they're in the science lab. See, this is chef terms, and that's what we stand off of. So I think it's, it's something that's happened naturally. But we actually stand by that by the forefront as well as to let people know about the health conscious aspect of it. And again, this is mom. If my mom can't eat it, we do not produce it. And I'm very serious about her health. My mom, God, God, thank you. She just celebrated her 71st birthday. So when it comes to the healthy aspect of it, that's what we stand on. That's what our pride really, really is like all about. It's about our parents. And that's one of the, honestly, one of the greatest joys to us 
is that when we go into all communities, not just African-Americans, we go to all communities. And when I can see someone who is 60, 70, 80 years old, eat one of our burgers or our sausages, and they say, man, this is so great. That means everything to me because they have been, you know, it's been put in their mind, especially like we all know, it's very difficult to get the older generation to change anything because they've been stuck in the ways for so long. So for us to see that happen, which we do all the time, it's actually amazing. I mean, like we just went to a cookout, primarily African-American cookout, where they have, for the record, they have been for a very, very long time not eating healthy. I mean, they had everything there. They had ribs and all types of stuff. I had everybody putting down ribs, eating plant-based burgers. That's how serious and, and how serious this is going. They don't even want to eat this stuff anymore. They say, listen, I don't even want a beef burger anymore. They ran to the store. Literally, people left the cookout and went right to the store to go get some of these burgers. And that's what we're doing over here. It's the best burger in the world. And it's healthy. Dwayne, I, I absolutely love that. You and I are going to talk more because I put myself out there publicly as an imperfect vegetarian. And I am slowly over the last seven years, my wife and I creeping more and more toward veganism. And so I absolutely love what you're doing. I've already looked up out here in New York City, North Jersey area, where your products are. So I can Acme. pick some up. You can go to Acme. Acme. And That's right. I got it right here. Acme. I see it now over in Hoboken, Jersey City, New York. So we're going to do that. And I agree with what David said. When I, you know, when Tupac said that 25 years ago, we have to change the way we eat, live, and treat each other. Eat, it was like so foundational. And, and Moreno and I have talked about this. Like on this show and every other entrepreneur based show, we talk about building companies, building, going legendary, everything else. But if you're not healthy, none of that matters. Dave says it. A healthy person wants a million things. An unhealthy person wants one. And so I applaud you for what you're doing. I can't wait to help be a part of it. I'm curious to know because taste, texture, flavor, critically important. What's the what's the foundation? What is the plant based? What are they? Is it made out of specific vegetables? The burgers? Is it tempeh? Is it seitan? What's the what's the composition of it? Very good question. Now, our burgers are soy free, yes. dairy free. And gluten-free. So there's no soy in any of our products. The base of it is a pea protein. That's what we use. Nice. It's based with a pea, and then we add in hemp, and then we add in a whole bunch of other. And you know what? That's another thing about our product. And you can actually look this up right now. I guarantee this. I, I, I challenge all three of you right now. You can literally say all the ingredients on our list. You can pronunciate them. I guarantee you can't do that for the other companies. Awesome. You can pronunciate every single ingredient. You can look it up right now. You can go online right now, and I guarantee you guys can run through the whole list and sound with pronounce every single word without any problem. But if you go to the other competitors, you can't pronunciate half the stuff. And that's the issue. How can we eat stuff that we can't even pronunciate? We have to start right there. That is the number one thing we have to start correcting. I have to be able to know every single thing. You know what mango is. You know what, like, um... Mango, P. oregano, and these are, exactly those are things that you know. You read those yeah. other lists, you don't know what you're eating. You're eating the whole science project. Jurassic Park is what I call it. That's what I say. <laughs> Jurassic Park. Dwayne, Dwayne, I will tell you, I'm going to email Mark right after this and tell him once again what a wise man he is for investing in you and your company because you know we get to see a lot of entrepreneurs, and you you have it, man. You are the articulate African American. You are an incredible Thank entrepreneur. You. Uh, we will keep our eyes. I'm going to go. If, if I didn't have a show right after this, I'd be rushing over to the store right now, too. You have me sold six <laughs> times over. GoLegendary.com, the co-founder of everything legendary, the legend, the living legend himself, yes. especially because he's taking care of his mama, which means a lot to us three. Everything. As I know, 
Dwayne, thank you so much. Come back and join me on some of my other shows as well. You are a big personality and a winner, and we appreciate you. Thanks so much. Thank you guys so much, man. I look thank forward you, to coming Dwayne. back. You guys have a blessed day. Thanks, you too, Dwayne. buddy. Safe flight, man. Take care. Man, awesome. if he can, if he converted Moreno, then that's it. That says it all. He's the he world's greatest. Moreno smile. I, 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 I swear, <laughs> he, he cracked a smile. He was sitting there with that, you know, resting, angry face that he has. You know, the the perplexed intellect that he is. <laughs> and all of a sudden, look at him, man, jovial Joe. Smile too, jovial Joe. All right, real quickly, I got to do a coaching session with Kevin Palmieri uh, and Alan Lazarus. Uh, and I can never pronounce Alan's name. I've known him for 20 years. Uh, Lazarus. Look at that, Kevin. Uh, I did it, Alan. Lazarus. 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 Anyway, uh, Mikey, what's your takeaway for the day? The only thing more important than sight is vision. Like we can see what's right in front of us, but if we can see not only what's in front of us, but way ahead of us, we're that much more likely to uh, succeed. That's a great one, Mike, and succinct. I love it. Uh, for me, bo both folks, it's, it's, with any successful company, a per person, you need both purpose and consistency. With Dwayne, they figured out their purpose while they went and started Be Legendary. They consistently uh, implemented systems, like Mark told us with EOS, to reach the level of success they have. And now they're in, like you said, a thousand stores. So uh, purpose and consistency for, for, for any company is going to get you far. No doubt. And mine is energy. You know, in two different spaces where you may not think that energy is that important uh, with EOS worldwide, energy is so important uh, as they build out the pragmatic logistical systems. It's really more about the energy than anything else. And of course, I think a pure display of what energy can do was Dwayne, right? You know, I, I invest in the jockeys. That's why I partnered with you two jockeys. Uh, you know, everything else will figure itself out if you have the right energy uh and i would think both mark and Dwayne illustrated what it takes energetically uh to be an entrepreneur as you two uh mike's catching up on us dave he's the only one to get a point today as we keep score for good questions i'm lapping you guys uh, I'm no, no, you're catching up you're catching, you're, you're, you're catching up you know i know you have the the short man issues you're at least a quarter of an inch shorter you're projecting than yeah, yeah, exactly. You're, you're a quarter, you're a quarter of an inch shorter than me. I know that really bugs you, uh, but we'll forgive you for that. And we love you. Have a great time with Jordan Belfort over the weekend. Get us some Mike. Mike is an NFT expert, by the way. We have not yeah. really properly branded him. So we're dealing with so many different things in the NFT space. Reach out at Mike Mamola at David Marino ESQ. That stands for Esquire, the king of all swing, who baby by next show, as we'll be in New York together, we'll have a baby Marino. Uh, and yeah. the coolest thing is you're probably going to name it Davida Jr. Uh, <laughs> and I know it's not after him. It's after me. Anyway, guys, I love you. I got to get on to Kevin and Alan. I'm one minute behind. Catch care, hey, 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 Clubhouse. 6 a.m. Pacific time. We're doing training, Clubhouse, IG, LinkedIn, everything. The multi-distribution, BYOQ. You bring the questions. I'm counting on you. I'll bring the answers. We got training. This is my warm-up session with my two favorite coaching clients, Kevin Palmieri and Alan Lazarus. Thanks so much, you guys. I'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Bye, guys. All right, here they are, my boys coming on. If you want to know what to do in a coaching session, let's take it to the next level with the Next Level University, Kevin Palmieri, Alan Laz Lazarus, and I'm getting it down. It's been years, <laughs> Lazarus, Lazarus, Lazarus. I'm not as dumb as I look. I am, but I am. And that's what I am. All right, boys, we got about 25 minutes till I have to do a training. 
I'm cutting it close, but I know if I can have any clients work enough information into those 25 minutes, it's the two incredible you. So let's make it happen. Next level university. Let's go. Thank you, sir. We appreciate you all the love. All right. First question. You mentioned investing in the jockey in the little preamble here, not in terms of financial, but what is the best investment in people, places, things, and ideas you have made in your entire life looking back? Oh, there's two. Uh, one's my beach house, uh, which was uh, stimulated from my wife. Uh, we bought it. It was supposedly the top of the market, pre-VRBO, Airbnb, right on the beach in San Diego. We waited three years. We went through two or three other dream houses that fell out of escrow and other peculiar things happened as the universe coincided with the desire that we had, the attention and intention. Uh, but uh, that that investment has been extraordinary. Um, and, you know, uh, for for me, it's it's amazing. I mean, the investment I make in uh, the mission would be the, the second when we talk about wh what it is and the mission to empower over a billion people to be happy, uh, which is a daily investment, which starts with, you know, my family, then my immediate family, then my local family, then my local community, state community, country community, and world community. And, you know, that investment that I make is the best investment to empower others, to empower others, to be happy. Uh, so one on the financial side, the beach house and two, the mission itself. Dave, on one of our early coaching calls a while ago, probably a year and a half or so ago, you basically said that what people don't understand is that in order to make $3 billion, they might have to spend $1 billion. Can you go into what what that means for anyone who doesn't understand that that statement? Yeah, I think more than ever, that's so important to understand because we've never had the ability to build a community. And it costs money, right? I'm a receiver, I believe, in making a lot of money to help a lot of people. Uh, but if there's nobody in your spectrum, if your signal is weak, even if it's clear, even if it's you know a, a signal that everyone needs to hear, if you don't have a strong signal, which takes money, and know the spectrum of people, it's not going to be uh, as beneficial to you. So you need to spend and invest in the community to educate the community, to motivate the community, to inspire the community. Then you can monetize the community uh, by being able to articulate the value that you provide to exceed what you're asking for to a large enough community to reach that $3 billion. This is completely off of that. What, how do you differentiate? So I know we want to release expectations and outcomes. How do you differentiate between expectations and standards? Yeah, that's so standards are based off of values and daily practices, right? I send, if you see my email there, david at dmeltzer.com, I send everyone my value system and the five daily practices. Uh, that is, you know, the one side, the expectations is based off of the law of gravity, the law of Goya, and the law of allowance, the law of attraction, in other words. So one, the law of gravity states through those daily practices and values, I am where I'm supposed to be. I'm happy, I'm healthy, I'm wealthy, I'm worthy. What am I doing to interfere with it? Now I set my expectations off of that by utilizing the law of Goya, get off your ass, angle to what you want, meaning those expectations, 
but utilize mistakes, failures, setbacks, and pain as a propeller to propel us to something better. See, expectations to me have a variable of faith that I know when I set an expectation without attaching my emotions to it, my emotions are set to something bigger and brighter than the expectation. They're set towards faith. See, my emotions go to, I have faith that I'm going to end up set better than I expect. This one critical perspective has allowed me to expand, grow, and accelerate, aggregate what I want, and allow things to happen, knowing that although my expectations aren't met, something better is happening. And so many times when we look backwards at what has happened, they've exceeded our expectations. In the present, very rarely do we feel that mm -hmm. we've ever even met or exceeded expectations. But looking back, it's like, oh, of course, yes. <laughs> Once again, that's why age, I think, is a huge, um, uh, for, for me at least, advantage. Because it allows you to see systematically and repetitively and to have faith. It's a lot easier to have faith when you're older than it is when you're younger because you have data to support faith. Right. Right. Uh, Dave, I was listening to your podcast and you were talking about conscious, subconscious, and unconscious and how if you, it was the manifestation road to revenue one, number 70. And you said, if you have this thing that you want, you have to align your conscious, your subconscious, and your unconscious competency in order to get it. How do you know when that is not aligned? Like, how do you know if what you want? So, for example, with football, you talk about how your unconscious competency wasn't high enough to be in the NFL or whatever it was. How how do you identify that earlier? And should you identify it earlier? Yeah, I think it's difficult, uh, one, to identify early what your quantum nature is. Uh, and I don't think I think it's irrelevant. You know, I use that example of wanting to be in the NFL, although I didn't make it that that is the closest to my potential uh, that I've ever come right. uh, because I don't have a high potential uh, in the athleticism of football or strength of football or speed of football. But since I was five, I was consistent, persistent in the pursuit of my potential of playing football. And to this day, I think it's the closest I've arrived uh, at reaching my potential. Now, when I got close enough to see what my potential was, I realized that I may want to adjust or re-engineer a pursuit because that wasn't going to feed me enough. It wasn't aligned with my values, personal, experiential, giving and receiving anymore. And so I then took all the skills, the knowledge and desire that I had learned and I applied it to something that quantumly I have much better capability in like sales, like speaking, like writing, all the other things that, you know, believe it or not, my superpower of all these shows I do and TV shows and the podcast, the playbook and the books that I write and the speeches I give and the masterminds that I do, um, you know, the common, you know, denominator of all of those things is that I'm consistent and persistent. I'm probably the most consistent from Tony Robbins to Deepak Chopra to Dave Melcher, Jack Canfield, Bob Proctor, go all the way down. I will put up my consistency, which is quantitative, uh, with any of them daily, seven days a week, the consistency now is the quality of my content to the level of those guys. I, I have potential to do that, 
Uh, but, you know, the wisdom of Bob Proctor and Tony Robbins, you know, Joel Osteen, these performers, you know, are incredible. And I strive, but I think I have potential uh, to get up there, but I beat them with consistency and persistency. I've actually said that behind the scenes, Dave, with Kev of like, I don't know if I've ever seen anyone more consistent and putting in more reps per day than Dave. As a matter of fact, we had a little mini argument about you versus Gary V in the long run. So uh, I know who my money was on. Just saying. <laughs> I, he has a big head start. So I, yeah. I'm leaning towards Kev. Just knowing Spectrum, <laughs> just knowing Spectrum you know, yeah. uh, if Gary stays consistent, it'll be it'll be hard to, to, ca- yeah. to catch up. And uh, you know, and I'm a huge Gary friend and fan, uh, but comparisons to Thief of Joy, like this is a good example. Gary's a milestone for me, right? And just like the NFL was a milestone, some of the milestones I reach and surpass, some right. I never reach. Uh, but I'm not comparing myself in a competition with Gary V. We're different. We have a different spectrum. Right. You know, I, I, I will tell you that my spectrum of executive CEOs, of you know fortune 500 companies far surpasses gary's audience in that space 19 year old entrepreneurs he kicks my ass right yep dave how important is it to figure out the spectrum that you want to aim for because obviously you want to impact as many people as possible but you kind of have to have a a sweet spot don't you yeah so for me it's a thousand people Right. So my spectrum, although I get subsidiary people, supplementary people, uh, you know, outlier people that have the same frequency of me that is unexpected. For me, my target has been the math of finding a thousand people like Kevin Palmieri and Alan Lazarus. And uh, God, I don't know why I stumbled, but I got it. Uh, <laughs> because if I can find a thousand of you guys, I know in your lifetime, you'll empower a thousand to empower a thousand to be happy, to make more money, help more people and have more fun. So for me, it's very specific. And I allow the energy, the frequency that I create and strengthen and clarify in order to gather a spectrum that's far greater than I ever imagined, because my focus still every day is to continually find that first thousand. And it's not an overnight thing, right? I I have to find millions of people to find a thousand people like you that obviously are doing the work to learn what we talk about. I mean, you're bringing up, you know, playbook number 70 uh, manifestation episode. And that means to me, you know, that Kevin and Alan, you know, you guys are the Meltzer thousand that, that I'm counting on, but there's a lot of people that are, you know, not quite as engaged yet, you know, listen once in a while, they enjoy a couple episodes, but you know, I, I still have coaching clients. I work with guys and I'll say something that I think is just like, so Dave Meltzer obvious. And they're like, Oh, I've never heard that before. I should say thank you before I go to bed and when I wake up and I'm thinking mm-hmm. to myself, they're not quite to the 1000 level yet. Uh, appreciated and can evolve to that. But you know, my life's mission is to find a thousand people like you guys. Really appreciate that, Dave. So speaking of which you mentioned in a speech recently that self-discipline is counterintuitive. If you remember you saying that, can you go into that and why that is? Yeah, because negative behavior uh, works in the favor <laughs> uh, of that. Meaning self-discipline uh, is something that says, I want a positive result. The problem with having positive expectations is they take a long time to become aware. I mean, to 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 arise itself. Right? It takes 90% of 
the effort till you can become aware of the result. So when you have those positive disciplines that will create the results that you want, we expect them to be immediate, right? but they're not. So it's counterintuitive where the opposite's true with negative behavior, right? When we start drinking or we start eating French fries or potato chips or, you know, whatever else is bad, we have no expectations. It's going to be unhealthy and cause cancer, make us fat, lazy, lethargic, get in our way. And 90% of the way down, all of a sudden we're fat, right? We start seeing and look, and we think that then after 90% of the positive or negative behavior, right? It takes equal amount to start the other direction again. So it's completely counterintuitive because of acceleration, aggregation, and compound interest of behavior and focus and perception, which is created by discipline. And believe it or not, negative behavior is a lot easier to be disciplined to because it's innate in the ego, uh, you know, to have this need to, to, to do things that are, that are detrimental or create interference to the light. See the ego's purpose is to create interference to the light. It's an important distinction in paradigm shift for you guys to understand, right? If you believe I am healthy, wealthy, worthy, and and happy, and our paradigm shift is to determine what's creating interference between me and what I already am, because agreed upon, because I know you guys are Bob Proctor uh, prodigy like me, right? We we are connected to the most powerful source, right? Bob says uh, we have enough power in our pinky to light up all of Manhattan. So what are we doing to interfere with that power? And when we take the perspective that the ego is sole purpose to create interference between us and what we already are, we then can create these disciplines that are counterintuitive to get rid of the ego, get rid of the interference, not go get the light, love, and lessons and power that we already have. So is discipline, from your perspective, the process of getting back aligned? Discipline is the capability of consistently and persistently getting rid of, right, the interference, consistently and persistently clearing the connection of us and what we already are. So when you know you should do something because you've set an intention and paid attention, but yet you don't do it, that's the interference. And or, yeah. or we do something counter counterproductive towards that even worse right it's not even not do it we could utilize our discipline you know to smoke pot right that, that's worse than just not doing it so right. you know it's one thing not to go to the gym but to get high all day on our mom's couch and eat potato chips and fall asleep you know is activity that's counterproductive do you believe i i guess so acceleration you talk about all the time the counterproductive stuff is really affecting that acceleration and growth like tremendously, right? Yeah. Anything that has the ego, the needs of the ego, the triggers of the ego, anything that will be a catalyst to the primal fears that create the interference absolutely will be a detriment to discipline, which is created by consistent, persistent pursuit. Think about it in the terms of, am I consistently, persistently pursuing something? Then you have discipline. If you're not consistently, persistently pursuing something, then you don't have discipline. And it doesn't mean, though, you can consistently, persistently pursue the wrong things or negative things, which will create interference. If you consistently, persistently pursue things to clear the interference, that then is a positive habit, is a positive discipline. 
How do so, you personally know the difference, Dave, when you're when you're consistently, persistently pursuing something that actually in hindsight was negative or wasn't aligned? So pain, setbacks, failures, mistakes will indicate that you may be clearing uh, the wrong thing, right? Doing the wrong thing. So the if you can learn the lesson, then the light and love are accessible to you. The power is accessible to you. See, each of the lessons we learn is like opening a little door to allow more light in. Every time that we have that door closed, it's interfering with the light. And so we have to consistently try things, persistently try things, pursue things that we may not want or may be missing or maybe other things that other people want for us. But when we find out and learn the lesson, that door's open and more light comes in. Hmm. Alan and I were at an event in Colorado and I think we both have a new level of awareness and a lot more lessons. What's a lesson, the most recent lesson that you have learned? Well, there's so many. Um, I, I'm the great chain of feeding has been a really interesting one and it's applicability in every aspect of my life. So, you know, most people spend about 80% of their time on the people internally in their life, externally in their life, internally in their business, externally in their business that bleed them or sh don't feed them. Mm -hmm. So I'll use a corporate example for this lesson. You know, it was a big epiphany to me in the great chain of feeding that I was spending 80% of my time on clients that provide 20% of the profit, right? Because look, 80% of the profit comes from 20% of your clients. 80% of the productivity in your company comes from 20% of your employees. I was spending my resources time personally and professionally on the 20%, not on the 80%, not the 20%, not on, right? And it's exact opposite. So I really learned the lesson that, look, you got to feed those people that feed you. If they don't feed you, allow them to fall away. And if they bleed, you fire them, whether they're employees, their relatives, or their consumers, fire them because you want to focus in on the people that are providing the most resources to use. That's where you want to spend your resources because you'll get the exponential result from them. The idea under that is that the squeaky wheels get the grease, right? The ones exactly. that are okay. And so when you say fire them, what you're saying is disconnect and and then double down on the people that are feeding you and let, let that proliferate. Yeah. So to clarify too, when I say fire them, I actually mean you know, proactively, you know, fire them. That what you described previously is to allow them to fall away, which is really easy today because there's so much interference, data, whatever. There's so much distraction that, you know, unless someone's completely OCD, it's so easy to allow friends, family, and consumers and clients to fall away mm -hmm. because you have to be so proactive to create that signal targeted towards them in order to communicate that frequency with them, collaborate with them, connect through and to with them, uh, that it's easy to allow people to fall away. But if somebody is bleeding you, that means you have to take proactive measures to fire them. Dave, why? I, I think that's something Alan and I share. We've definitely poured into the 80% who are bleeding us more. Why do you think in retrospect you were doing that? Is that just... Were you rooting for the underdog? Like, what was the thought under that? I don't think I had uh, the conscious criteria. It's like investments. You know, I made millions and millions and millions of dollars of investments without knowing my timing and risk tolerance, right? I've lived my life without taking inventory of my values, knowing my what, my who, my how, prioritizing my now, 
by knowing what's most important to me versus what's urgent and applying my why. So when I started to effectuate the daily practices, which I give to everybody, David at dmeltzer.com, I'm, you know, always will do that. Uh, but when I started to, to practice the five daily practice, it became apparent to me, oh my goodness, I'm paying attention to the wrong people, personally and professionally. Why am I wasting this time with this person that doesn't make me feel good? Why am I wasting my time with this client that doesn't listen? Why am I wasting my time with this person that's not profitable, right, for me or with me? So I started to, through daily practices, realize who's feeding me and who's bleeding me. So I think it's more an awareness of who's feeding and bleeding than anything else. So Dave, I've never asked you this before, but I... I heard this one time where it's like, okay, so 20% of your daily actions are responsible for 80% of the results. But what if you took 20% of 20%, which is 4%? And then what if you took 20% of 4%, which is 0.8%? And what if you put 20% of 0.8%, it's actually 0.16%. So when I come into the studio now, we have a big whiteboard over here. I write Alan's Essentials, uh, 0.16% activities only. And then I write down a bunch. Do you, how do you find what your 0.16% is? Because that's constantly evolving. Right. That's why I have daily practices that, I mean, the whole system that I created of every day, taking inventory of what I want personally, experientially giving and receiving, who can help me and who I can help. How am I going to get it done by being a student in my calendar with the lens of productivity, accessibility, and gratitude, studying what I plan, what I don't have planned and my sleep allow me to prioritize what's most important, the 0.0016% or whatever it is, in order to have that activity that's most productive in my life that will feed me the most. And then I can apply my why to that specific activity, evaluate all the interference against that higher frequency and baseline to determine, oh, this is an urgent situation, but is it more important than the 0.16%? Yes or no? If it is, I'll do it now. If not, it goes into a repository to do later. In hindsight, I know we got to go. We actually were supposed to have you off right one now. Minute. We got Third, one minute. Go ahead. Okay. In hindsight, what's the most important project or like, was it writing your book? Like what's the most important thing that accelerated your ability to empower more people? It actually, it actually was free content, right? Providing everyday IG lives, office hours, trainings, all the free stuff giving away my book, giving away the five daily practices. It's all about what I do for free and then allowing people to ask me to further help them and determine if I can articulate value to exceed what I'm asking for. You see, when you give stuff for free, it's really easy to articulate the value to exceed what you're asking for. From there, you need to create and construct a business model that is providing value greater than what you're asking for. And that's all I've done, but I still concentrate 80% of my effort into giving everything away. Boom. Dave, we missed you. We, we appreciate yeah. this so much. Oh, <laughs> uh, the next level university, my next level coaching clients, my next level friends and family, Kevin Palmieri and Alan Lazarus, my boys, unbelievably prepared every time. If you want to know how to be more interested than interesting, just check out the next level university. These two guys are masters and I'm blessed to have you in my life. Thank you so much, my boys. Thank you, Dave. Thank we you, love Dave. you. Appreciate you.
All right. Five minutes from now, we have Clubhouse, IG, LinkedIn. It's training. 50,000 people, over 50,000 people are registered for our, our training, which I've been doing for over 21 years now. Over 21 years, free training. Join us. It's BYOQ. You bring the questions like Kevin and Alan. I'll bring the answers. It's Ask Me Anything Clubhouse. Join us on IG, Clubhouse, or our webinar, david at dmelzer.com. If you want the five daily practices, email me. Matt, thanks so much. Let's move over. Thank you.